the minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He could have 50, 60, 70 requests. They would look the mammy then and kind of went through the list of two of the services the most. There could be a lot of lads texting. OTV AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTV Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, very good morning to the Sun's chief sports reporter, Martin Lipton. Morning, Martin. Good morning. Uh, Martin, it's, there's ructions over there at the minute. I know football fans are fickle, but Gareth Southgate, um, what was it, a year ago, that takes uh, England to their best ever showing at a, at, a, at a tournament since, what, 66, 96? Uh, all of a sudden, it's gone south. They were awful on uh, on Tuesday night, and they've been pretty ropey all four matches um, in this international break, and it doesn't matter a bean, in truth. Uh, it's pretty clear the players didn't want to be there, that they'd had enough, that they felt four games was four too many. And you could see that in the, the body language. And if you look at the results, you could say the same sort of thing happened elsewhere as well. Look at France uh, and even Italy. I mean, they, they were pretty poor as well. Um the test of, of Southgate will come in November and December, as simple as that. And I think it'd be wrong to get hung up on a series of fairly ordinary performances when the players, frankly, weren't interested. Why are they not interested? Like, I know, obviously, they're tired at the end of, of a long season, but at the end of the day, these players are, are, are in an England, England team, albeit probably the second or third choice England uh, starting eleven, with a World Cup squad on the horizon. These players are, are, are battling for a, for a place at a World Cup. You would have thought that, but I think all they did was bat themselves out of the place at the World Cup, in truth, some of them. Uh, I'll be surprised if we see them again in an England shirt, certainly over the next uh, 18 months. They just simply weren't up to it, were they? I mean, Bowen, Justin and a few of the others were, frankly, poor. There's no getting away from that. That If there was an opportunity for them to grasp, they signally failed to grasp it, which probably clarifies Southgate's thinking, in truth. Um before it's in a bit of a question is you know who is he going to leave out of the 26 well now there's not that many you could argue for to put in so it makes it a lot easier for him to to select his squad do, do you have any sympathy for the players or is there any sympathy for the players over there um i i i mean first of all i think it's absurd this is a world cup that time of year but i i think players are asked so much now and to be at that level i know they're very well paid yada yada but like do you forgive them for a little bit of indifference in the middle of june for I guess glorified friendlies in their eyes well given that I, I could have done without going to Molyneux on Tuesday <laughs> absolutely I mean <laughs> I don't think anyone wanted to be at any of these games did they that was that was the issue actually mm. apart from the World Cup qualifiers you know for Wales everyone would have been quite happy with two end of season games and then go for and I know why they did it it's because of the scheduling because they've got to get these games in there's only one international break in the in the autumn before the World Cup we know that we've got a World Cup in November. There's no, we can't change that now. It's what it is. They just had enough. And I think it's perfectly understandable, actually. A lot of them have been in very intensive domestic seasons, played themselves to a standstill, then had to try and go again after a two- or three-week break, which wasn't enough for them to, to downtime and not enough for them to uh, get ready for the next one. It was just... It, it was it was a fortnight too far. Um, and I think that goes for supporters media, everyone. If you'd have told us all that the season finished on June 1, we'd have been pretty happy. 
and here we are on on June 16 with it only just having finished. Do, do, with your experience, Martin, do you, do you worry in a broader sense about saturation? Like, oh, I think there's far too much football nowadays. Far too much football on TV. Like, does it get? I mean, at this stage, you're like, I've actually had enough now. I wouldn't mind a break. Absolutely. To be honest, I, I've stopped watching every game because you can't. Hmm. It's impossible to watch every game and have a life. Hmm. Um, so you have to be a bit more picky. I think that's the way it is for for everyone. There are too many matches. The problem, of course, is there's going to be more matches coming ahead. You know, we have at least an extra four matches potentially in uh, Champions League from 24-25 season. Um, we're going to have... Got, no one quite knows what the shape of qualifying is going to be for these uh, new, upcoming tournaments because obviously you've got 16 places for the 26 World Cup. You've got 24 up to 32 places for the uh, 28 Euros. Uh, it's there is just too much football. I think we... It's not difficult to say that. Everyone says it. The trouble is, the money men don't think there's enough football. And the money men are the people who run the game. Mm, I think it's I think it's a real debate here. Like, the expansion of the Euros is, is utterly pathetic at this stage. Like, But uh, I think on one level, for players... Um, it's 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 not fair. I don't care what money they're on. They're paid according to the market. It's not fair to demand them like to play sixty games in a season. Um, but like the broader point Martin is getting at there is that like you get to a point where you're like you know I've I've had a bit too much of this. Like in football, you you can't have too much of it. And after a while, you're like you start thinking of <laughs> other more relevant issues in life. But I do I do think football is in a dangerous place in that regard, Martin. I do. I think the trouble is, I don't see any reason that it will change. If mm. anything, it gets worse uh, because you know you, what you end up with is ludicrous summer tournaments that people are throwing out. FIFA want to have their Club World Cup. Uh, I'm told that FIFA's plan is to have three tournaments in three years: a Club World Cup, uh, into you know a Continental Championship, and then a World Cup. That's the cycle. More football, less rest. Um, it just sort of eats itself, doesn't it? But what can you do? I mean, the trouble is, there might come a point when people say no, but until that point comes, they'll keep on feeding the beast. And unfortunately, it's ravenous. Yeah. Uh, and television is a ravenous beast. It's as simple as that. Yeah. That's what it is. And it, it is oversaturation. It's funny because when, when, say, for example, the World Snooker Championship is on at the Crucible April, every April or May, I will happily sit in front of the TV for three weeks and watch nothing but snooker. But it's for three weeks. Football at the minute, we have that saturation, but it's just drawn out across the entire year. Well, it's it's the fact that once they made that change from um, you know the resources coming through and the money coming through from people going going to the games, and I don't know if, if COVID changed the situation, Martin. Where there's obviously a market now. You see the tours that the the clubs have in Asia, where effectively they don't really care about who's going to the games, it's who's watching on TV, and how they can monetize it. It's all about. The bottom line, it mm. really is. It's about shirt sales. It's about TV rights. It's about how they can sell the the club elsewhere. And of course, if one club's doing it, the rest have got to follow. Um, and they're, you know, where are they going this summer for pre-season? The clubs are going all around the world. The Premier League clubs, I think, Liverpool are playing United in somewhere in Asia or Australia. Spurs are going to Korea. I mean, it's just, it's a constant whirl of of travel before the season starts. Now, I think a lot of the, the senior players will miss out uh, the f- first half of it and stay at home and do fitness work. But then the season starts for real in the first weekend in August. Um, and there is the, these two big chunks of football either side of a six-week break for the World Cup, which means more injuries because there's more games being played, particularly post-World Cup, where 
there's 22 Premier League games to be fitted in and there's only an extra week at the end of the season. So, um, in terms of when it ends, it's going to be horribly hectic. You've got to then fit it in. You've got 22 uh, Premier League games plus up to six um, FA Cup games plus maybe seven European games plus the, the remnants of the League Cup, a couple of games there. That's an awful lot of football. Plus, also in March, here we go again, more internationals and the mm. start of Euro 2024 qualifying. Oh, joy. I, I, I'm sure like we didn't bring Martin on top of this but I'm interested in like what's it like being an English football fan of your age I'm, I'm not going to say you're a vintage now but you're you're a man who's obviously you saying I'm old see, <laughs> like I, I go back to when, when Swindon Town were in the Premier League um, for some reason I, I was kind of like uh, I was just getting into the Premier League at that time and I remember when Man United came to town and the whole place was mad but Swindon was such a local club Swindon it was kind of a, a year in the Premier League or whatever but it was such a local thing and that was the start of the Premier League but but now it's like all the fans are basically global. They're all sort of a lot of day trippers at games. Has it felt like um, you know, as the more globalized it's got, like has it lost something? I, I, I feel it has. Anyway, I'm speaking from somebody who's not not English. I think it depends what club you're going to watch. If you're going to Fulham, back in the Premier League. If you're going to Brentford in the Premier League or Southampton, I, I don't think much has changed. Mm. If you go to United or or Arsenal or Chelsea or Liverpool or Spurs. With their and City, with their growing international fan base, then it is going to be different. There will be day trippers in a way that there there weren't before. Well, that's the success of the Premier League. It's mm. marketed itself so brilliantly to become the sort of the global league. Um, you, you know, it, it goes both ways, doesn't it? You might complain about it, but it's that that allows your club to spend a hundred million on a striker. So you don't have it always. You know, you've got to have you've got to accept that it, there's, there's there's ups and downs to a to a globality of a tournament. And, you know, if if you're Manchester City and you've just signed Haaland or if you're Liverpool and just signed Nunes, well, you might not have been able to do that five, six, ten years ago, then you're you're very happy. Um, you know, the, the ones that are probably unhappiest are the supporters of the previously dominant clubs who are no longer dominant. So I'm looking there particularly, I suspect, at Arsenal and, and United fans. Mm. Because... For the first 15 years of the Premier League, effectively, they were the two dominant forces. No one could come close to them. They had all the best players. They outranked the other the other clubs financially and on the pitch. And they loved it. And they don't love it anymore because they're no longer number one. They're not even number two, three or four. They're numbers five and six. So there you go. Things change. Uh, Martin, just to bring it back to, to Gareth Southgate for a moment, and you, you mentioned you were at Molyneux the other night. I mean, certainly in, in Gareth Southgate, 74 games and, and six years as England manager, the 4 0 defeat the other night was, was unquestionably his worst result. Like, I heard a conversation with the lads were talking off the ball in the news round last night about. This, this element of, of the English support that maybe uh, is a little bit more conservative in their political leanings and doesn't like the whole, um, you know, going on one knee for, for Black Lives Matter, the, uh, I guess, the liberal leanings of, of Southgate, maybe this English team. Like, is there an element of a certain cohort of English fans that have been waiting in the long grass almost to, to, to start these chants of you don't know what you're doing and to, to jump on Gareth Southgate as soon as there's a sniff of something going wrong? Well, they got beat 4-0 at home. What do you expect? <laughs> well, there is that too, yeah. They haven't scored a goal, a goal in open play in four matches. They've been rubbish. The manager's going to get some stick. It was also, he's a big enough boy to bat it off because he knows 
it's what it is. If they were playing well and winning, you wouldn't have any of this. I do think there are some who are still angry at him taking the squad and, and being wanting the, the squad to be more representative of the country as a whole. And I think that actually England, Britain has become a much more socially liberal uh, society over the last 20 years. I don't think anyone could really argue that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't people within that society who are not socially liberal. We know that. Um, there are, you could argue, some populist po politicians, and not just in the UK, but across the globe, who pander to those leanings. Um, football has always had uh, a strongly... Um, a strong connection between the supporter and the and the team, uh, and sometimes that has veered, no question, beyond the sporting context and into a political one, and into uh, occasionally in many countries, not just here, uh, an openly um, nationalistic political uh, support. We've seen it in in many countries. It's not just in, in England. Uh, there have been efforts, huge efforts, to try to sort of uh, cleanse. The, um, the 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 supporter base of, of England fans, but you can't um, realistically change everybody's view, and you can't stop someone coming to watch the national team because you don't necessarily share their politics. It's a national team, which includes people of of all castes of political thinking. You know, the England football team. I reckon over many years has been the players have probably been more Tory voters percentile than the country, just because of economics. It's what happens. Um, mm. There is now a slightly more liberal, social and political mindset within the squad. But I, I wouldn't say that's universally shared between all all the thirty England players. I suspect there's still more than enough of them, uh, and probably even a majority who are politically, their natural home might be sort of soft right. Well, that's that's allowed too. I think we're in a lucky place in Ireland where like the DNA of like the Irish football team has changed like drastically in the space of what seems like a few years and uh, uh, everyone has just embraced it, I think. Yeah. Anyway, because um, we're getting a little bit better maybe <laughs> hopefully yeah once the on pitch uh, results stay, stay the way they are then then you can only be, be happy like on pitch wise for, for England Martin like I guess some people point to an over-reliance on Harry Kane uh, John Stones' performance even before sending off was was wasn't great and, and like when you look at a pair, pairing with himself and, and a below par at times Harry Maguire as they hurtle towards Qatar might not fill English fans full of confidence. Maybe Jordan Pickford picked a good night to not be between the post. Aaron Ramsdale had a night to forget as well. Like <clears throat> on the pitch, like well, where are this English team set? Like it's only twelve months ago, as I said, that they were in the European Championships final, so it can't be all that bad. Look, they're a very good team. We just had a bad few days. I can live with that. Um, the issue is obviously at the back. They've got lots of options going forward. They've got to get their shape right. He at no point in these four games played what I think you would call his strongest team. The nearest to it was probably the Germany game, where they played OK, and the longer it went on, the better they were, particularly when Grealish came on. Um, they'll be there or thereabouts. I still think that the, the winner of the potential quarter-final between France and England probably win the tournament. Um, still think that, and I don't see any reason to, to change that view on the basis of a few dodgy results in games that no one's that fussed about. The idea of being over-reliant on your best player, well, they don't say that about Argentina too often. They don't say that about 
um, Poland being over reliant on their best striker Lewandowski. No, he's, he's the best player. Uh, but around Kane, you also had uh, options of Sterling and Foden and Mount and Grealish. That's not bad, is it? Really, to have four of those that you can you can throw in and Saka and others. Um, could be a lot worse than that. I think the in- interesting would be who plays alongside Rice at the uh, in the centre of midfield. I don't think Bellingham did himself any favours over the last few games. So Phillips, who's still very leggy and not fit, as we can see that, he's nowhere near uh, the fitness levels he was at this time last year. Uh, and if he moves to City, that would be really good for him. And I think it's likely he does be playing for them under Guardiola. He'll be a much better player very swiftly. And that's not to do, be detrimental towards anything that Bielsa or Marsh have done. I mean, Guardiola is just one of the greats, isn't he? So that will make him a better player. Stones looked a bit leggy, I agree. I think what will be interesting, what shape Southgate goes into the tournament with. Does he go with a three or a four? I suspect that the group that England are in have boosted the chances of um, Alexander-Arnold starting in the World Cup now. I think England will have plenty of the ball against Iran and the USA. Whereas if they were playing in a, a you know in a group with Spain and, and Germany, I one of those two, and that was the first up, it'd be a different team with a more defensive-minded right back. You know, all of these things can can change and evolve. But if you're Southgate, I don't think you're worried. I think you're excited about what your team can can bring to the party when it really matters in November. And you talk about an over reliance on Kane. The one thing that Gareth Southgate doesn't want is for their for him not to have Harry Kane who is a, a guaranteed source of goals in big matches. Very finally, Martin, uh, like it's, you've already mentioned Erling Haaland and, and <clears throat> Darwin Nunez, and it's been a busy transfer window so far, but uh, really standout move from uh, this week for, for Tottenham. £30 million for uh, Yves Basuma from, from Brighton. Only 25 years, years of age as well, and he joins Fraser Forster and Ivan Perisic as uh, Spurs signing so far, but uh, Basuma looks a, a seriously, seriously smart move. He's a very good player. I mean, obviously there's issues, uh, and I'm assuming that Tottenham have spoken to Brighton um, and reached out to the the police as well to ensure to be told that there's no likelihood of things developing negatively in that potential court case against him, because that would be a bit of a problem, I think it's fair to say. But yeah, I mean, he makes them stronger. I suspect that Hoberg's the one who misses out. I think he might play him, uh, Basuma and Bentancourt as his first choice two in there. Um, but he also needs, with Champions League, he needs to be able to rotate the squad. Uh, and I think that's what you're looking at with Sessegnon being the sort of cover for Perisic at left-back. Um, I think Doherty stays now. They'll get rid of Emerson Royale, but uh, Jed Spence and Doherty will share right-wing-back duties. Um, and then I still think they're going to get Eriksen probably in um, on a free from Ventford uh, you know, to return to the club. They do need a striker, but they're in for Richarlison, it seems, and they've also had a little tickle at Gabriel Jesus, so they're, they're not being uh, shy of spending money. Um, they look to be in a good place, don't they? I think you, you, at the moment you would look at it and think Spurs have got a real chance to be in best of the rest behind Liverpool and City, and they'll harbour hopes with the front three in particular um, of getting closer than that. Yeah, the the uh, Premier League fixtures for, for next season have been released in the last half hour, Martin as well, and Spurs have Southampton at home on the opening day. In a word, Martin, where do Spurs finish <clears throat> excuse me, where do Spurs finish next season? Third. Third. They'll take it. They'll take it. Martin, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.